The following is an archived podcast presented by the Branson and Hudson Foundation for Podcast Recovery. This podcast is entitled Toy Tales. It is the first and only episode of the podcast. Welcome to episode Howdy one. Howdy doody, toy heads. It's another beautiful day to take out the bins, dump them on the floor, and play all day. From Tonka to Lego, from sticky hands to Hulk hands, we're here to cover it all. My name is Dish Whistle, and today I'm joined by two legends of the imagination. Doc Sprocket and Eddie Seawave. Hello. Welcome to Toy Tales. Hey, thanks for the intro. Thanks for the introduction. Glad to be there. here, Dish. Thanks for coming on. Uh, both of you have known me. I've known you for a very long time. We've worked together for a very long time. Um, you know, as contractors for big companies who need the next latest and greatest. So we're here to talk about where we come from, our experience. What goes into making toys? How do we think of toys and everything that follows? So, uh, Doc, do you want to tell us about yourself a little bit? All right. You know, I guess, uh, yeah, kind of, you know, I forget outside of the industry, people may not know me. My name is Doc Sprocket. Uh, don't be so modest. I, uh, you know, I worked for everybody. I worked for Fisher Price for a while. I did Bandai. Namco, I you know I, I did Fisher Price for for a couple of years, uh, you know I guess my my claim to fame would be the uh, you know the red and yellow car. You guys, oh yeah, classic. You, you guys the know. classic Fisher Price car. I I, uh, I pioneered the development of the red and white car. You know, uh, it was probably my biggest seller. It was the red and yellow car. Red, you, it, it, yeah. you remember? I remember. I was there. I made the car. And then you know I did uh, I, I pioneered the development of the fake job sets like you know it looked like a kitchen and it would have a you know plastic fried egg in it and stuff I invented that egg you know that really I invented that egg yeah I started doing that we buy it we 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 engineered it with a plastics company back in the sixties or something like that and that's you know I was going to Pinky Design School in in Zurich it. With uh, Magnus Pinky, the famous designer. So yeah, wonderful. So wonderful I, I, designer. I, I've been around, you know, I've been around. Right, right. Well, thank you, Doc. Eddie, tell us about yourself. Yeah, my you name's know, Eddie. My C-Wave. name is Doc Sprocket. I just well, Doc, uh, hold on, oh, hold sorry, on, Doc. I you, you couldn't yeah, I think, hear. No, no, I think we okay. established that's that already, okay. Doc. We established. All right, that yeah, you go ahead. everyone knows who you are, Doc. You know, the man needs no introduction. You, you can cut that part. Don't worry about it, Eddie. Eddie Seawave, tell us about yourself. Yeah, well, you know. A lot of people think that toys are something that like kids can play with to spark their imagination, but I actually think that it takes a lot more imagination to invent toys than it does to just play with them, right? Like when I was a little kid, I was always the next level of thinking about playing with toys of like, you know, I had a Batman toy when I was little and I was like, what if Batman had a gun? Like, wouldn't that be cool and fun? Whereas a lot of the other kids were just playing with Batman like he's Batman from the cartoon. I was like, what if he had a nuclear bomb? You know, that would be crazy. That'd be so oh, wow. cool. And it's like, that's what led me to design toys because I could think of like better ideas than everyone. And it's actually way more hard to like think of this stuff than it is to just play with it, you know? I mean, great minds think alike. You know, Batman does have a nuclear bomb in Christopher Nolan's third film in the trilogy, The Dark Knight Rises. Well, that was based you on know the what toy a visionary that I made. He is. Right. You know what a visionary Christopher is. And I I know that he's a huge toy head. Um. He's personally commissioned stuff from me. I made his Inception series. Um, but as usual, I mean, the people in this industry have, as you said, amazing imaginations because 
I, I see children and they'll take like a salt and pepper shaker and make them talk to each other. That's not that creative. I mean, it's using imagination, sure, but it really takes a great mind to make a toy to facilitate that imagination, you know? Yeah, like as a vessel. These kids, they'll play with the toys, you know, and, you know, uh, you know, you can see a kid that's playing with the toy poorly and a, and a, and a kid that's, you know, playing with a toy incorrectly. You know, I made the sit and spin. You know what that is? You remember the sit and spin? You guys may be a little young for that, but I made oh, the yeah. sit. And you know what kids would do on that? You know, older kids would get on it and go till they throw up. And that's, I, I learned a very important. This is very funny. I learned a very important thing is that you should not, you know, you should not be designing toys for bad kids. You know, these, some of these kids, you know how kids are, you know, they'll have, you know, snot on their hands and, and, you know, they'll be, you know, banging stuff together or making, you know, Stretch Armstrong look like, you know, he's jacking off. And, you know, to me, I always, you know, it infuriated me, you know, it always made me. <coughs> so do you think there's a right way to play? Oh, yeah. You got to have a right, you know, when it, you know, in the Red Fisher Price car, you know, we designed that to go down hills, you know, we knew that the kid would, you know, have his ankles or his his knees brushed up against it or they'd be jammed in it. And we designed it so that it would topple over and over and over. And, you know, a kid may break a leg or something like that, but their head wouldn't be hurt. You know, that's kind of, you know, designing mm. for dumb kids. You know, that's not designing for bad kids. Bad kids take all the parts, they'll eat them. You know, you always have to keep bad kids in mind, but I don't think you should make anything for them. Oh, what? You know, without without making things for bad kids, we wouldn't have slingshots. We wouldn't have skateboards. Fake Basically, Bart Simpson would have nothing to do. Absolutely vile child, that Bart Simpson. Awful boy. I think that toys for bad kids need to be expanded. Like, what if Batman came with a slingshot and a skateboard, right? You go to the dollar store, you see these pop guns, these kids that are blasting fake AK-47s at each other. And these are oh, bad the dollar, kids. We should the dollar lock, store market is a whole different story. We could talk about that for hours. Lock them you know, up. They should lock very, those kids Very, very lucrative market, <clears throat> but it's it's a soulless endeavor, you know, cranking out these cheap plastic knockoffs for bad kids, you know, kids that, you know... Uh, you know, they're uh, drinking soda all day. And, they're watching TV. They're looking at you know, um, yeah. you know, GI Joe, and you know, next thing they're no, they're thinking, you know, they're going to be a meth head, and you know, I, I don't know those sort of toys, you know. Oh, well, let's <laughs> all right, Doc. Well, uh, let me st- a little bit about myself. My name is Dish Whistle. I graduated valedictorian from Dippy Domansky's Toy School for Boy Toys. Oh, congratulations. And, I majored in guys stuff, you know, guys, cars, stuff for boys to play with. So my biggest thing was guys. I really focused on uh, making guys, you know, action figures of all sorts. Um, and I think that's really what got me ahead in the industry because in the 80s, the 90s, uh, the early 2000s, there was a few things that dominated. You know, you have stuff like Barbie, right? You have stuff like uh, Cabbage Patch Kids, which thankfully died out because they were hideous. But then G.I. Joe, you know, G.I. Joe was always a huge thing. These action figures, uh, biker mice from Mars, street sharks, amazing IPs. And some of them were duds, you know, we, I mean, Eddie knows better than anyone, like making certain IPs, like action figures of certain IPs doesn't always work out, unfortunately. But sometimes you just throw shit at the wall and see if it sticks. I mean, pardon me for cursing, but this is not a, a, a podcast for children. I mean, let me make that clear. This is so it's for adults that want to talk about the stuff children play with. Right? Like us. 
my name like is Doc saying, Sprocket. Like, it, uh, it takes a whole different kind of person to appreciate this stuff than some mindless child who's just smashing two action figures together on the playground, you know? Well, I mean, playing with them in the bathtub or, you know, drowning them or, um, you know, also torturing, torturing your, your guys or dolls. Oh, is, yeah. A lot of pretty common. Yeah, I, mean, I, I designed, uh, I teamed up with Martha Stewart in the 90s to design a line of microwaves that come with action figures so you can melt them right when you get home. Oh, wow. So, like, the little sister can burn her older brother's action figures, you know? It's kind of like... Oh, little- yeah, and it came with a Martha Stewart action figure, too, if you want to melt her. Like, it's it's a lot of fun. Or maybe she's the one that's melting the action figures, you know? Oh, she's- yeah, you could have her on the outside clicking the buttons. Like, it really allowed children to imagine all kinds of different ways to microwave plastic. And then, you know, people got wind of you having a toy where one action figure is killing a bunch of action figures in an oven, and they said, oh, it doesn't look good the implications and it's like, well, you know, imaginations run wild. You know, that's what toys are all about. So, and you know, as much as I'd like, you know, to police the child's imagination, we just don't have the ability to keep an eye and and make sure because, you know, we're playing with the toys the correct way the whole time. You know, you used to have parents, but now, you know, you get, you know, it's Netflix. Well, Doc, you're sliding off the, the books Ugh. there. We we had to stack a bunch of books for Doc to, to be able to reach the table. Kind here. of the tall table. Uh, not here. the tallest guy in the <laughs> world, but, you know, definitely. Uh, you know, your name is very tall. You're legend. Well, uh, you know, I, I tried to, you know, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, you know. I, I'd like to think I'm still at the top of my game, but, you know, I was, you know, kind of di- distracted lately. Tried to, you know, change up my style. As you guys know, you know, a lot of the old toys ain't really selling like they used to be, you know. They used to have, you know, wooden trains. I spent 10 years on wooden trains, and, you know, I at this point, you know, if I tried to make, you know, my own wooden train, I don't think anybody would talk to me, you know. I don't think I'd do that, so. Well, I've been a little uh, antiquated. I mean, plastic is just so much better for the environment, you know what I mean? Like, with wood, if you're cutting down trees, you're cutting down the environment, but plastic doesn't come from anywhere. It's just magic. Yeah, plastic, you know, you can get it for cheap. You can get it from anywhere with wood, yeah. you know. And kids you feel that magic. Stain. The magic is in the toy, because, like, a kid doesn't know where plastic comes from. It just seems so magical. But wood, it's like, oh, I could find that in a tree anywhere, you know? And plastic yeah. kind of revolutionized the industry, because a kid is going to want to take their action figure and stick it in dog poop, right? But the kid doesn't want the dog poop to stay on the action figure. With plastic, right. it could just be washed off. Yeah, we could just dump it in the river. That's what we did down in uh, in the Pinky Design School every time we were, you know, we just dump it in the river, you know. And back then it was okay. It wasn't pollution back then because everybody was doing it. You know, I remember going out with Magnus Pinky, and we had, we you know we had barrel after barrel of uh, you know what's it called slime, the byproduct. You know, that was before we were selling it to Nickelodeon and whatnot. Oh, slime was huge. It was huge. And, you know, slime back then, that was just a byproduct of, you know, making a lot of the, you know, stuff we were making at the time. And, we you know, we'd we'd make a day of it, drive it down to the river, we'd grill, we'd dump it all in. And, you know, but it was all, it was a simpler time back then, you know, you know. Right. So why don't we talk a little bit about like our. And the girls were different. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, in the 60s. Your demographics change. A lot older than you guys. In the 60s, the girls were crazy. You know, people think, you know, the girls now are crazy, but. Uh, well, what kind of stuff were they doing that was so crazy? You know, they were, it was the 60s. So, you know, they, you know, we had these things called, you know, love circles, right? Where everybody would start, 
you know, I don't want to be crass here, uh, you know, considering it's a show about toys, but, you know, everybody would kind of shave each other and everybody would kind of have sex with each other and, you know, kind of spread whatever we had back and forth. And, uh, you know, the girls would kind of do anything, and especially with, you know, Magnus Pinky. He was a, you know, I'm a great little short guy. He's a, he was a great big tall guy. And, you know, he, he, uh, you know, the, you never remember the bearded, what was the bearded Willie, bearded Billy? You remember that thing uh, with the beard? Wooly uh, uh, Willie. Wooly yeah. Willie. That's where he made up with Wooly Willie because we were all shaving. Oh, he each. came up with Wooly Willie. Wow. Well, he wanted to do an art project where he shaved all of us and we were all in a circle wow. and we brushed I all mean, the hair. I mean, that makes sense. And I, you could still get those at like a Cracker Barrel mm-hmm. or something. And he would take all the hair that we shaved and he would be like, this is a beard. This is, you know, a big pube and what. Well, it, how did he get the idea to turn the hair into magnets? Or make magnets look like hair. How did he come up with that? Well, I think at first, you know, at the Pinky Design School, we kind of did a backward antiquated process where we would think of what the toy would be first and manufacture it, you know, reverse engineer it from our imagination. So really, uh, you know, first we tried mm. glue and, you know, I was the smallest guy then, you know, so, so you know, a big wad of hair would be funniest on me. So they glued it to yeah, my hair. Like about two foot? I'm about two, you know, two foot four inches. My back is, you know, I get, I'm getting older, you know, now, and you know, my back's, you know, it's my, I'm kind of my spine's at like a forty five degree angle. You know what I mean? Right. And so, I mean, it, it's going to happen to all of us. But, um, I mean, it's amazing the things they would come up with back then. You know, the magnet doodle was another magnet toy, or ones like the etch a sketch. I mean always frustrated the hell out of me because I could never do anything with the edge of sketch. And then you see people like draw like whole like pictures with it. It's like, I would be like, I'd be so mad. I'd be like, Oh, like fuck them. Like they shouldn't be able to make that. I should be able to do that too. So I wasn't a big fan, but I saw where the, where they were coming from with making that. I mean, um, like I said, you just try out what you think of, and if it sticks, it sticks. I mean, my big hit was the glow in the dark boogie board, you know? Oh. And people don't boogie board anymore. You know, they don't they just died out. Yeah. There's nothing you could do about that. Maybe it'll come back and you know, someone will sell those on eBay for like ten thousand dollars. Uh hopefully it's me, knock on wood. But Well, that's um, why I try to think of ideas that will never go away. Yeah, Eddie, why don't you tell us about some of your big hits or even some of your duds? Like we're not perfect. Well, we're 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 brainstormers, you know, we're imagineers. So I think one of my most enduring ideas was what's, you know, I was thinking what's more fun to play with as a child than a puppy, right? And we normally think of a puppy as like a living creature, but I convinced the people with Target, I teamed up with Target, like let's put puppies on the shelf and put them in the toy aisle and kids will be begging their moms to like take these things home. Oh, wow. Um, and then I even had an off brand for the dollar store of shitty puppies that no one wants. We sold them for a dollar at the dollar store in the toy section there. And like these things are flying off the shelf like hotcakes. Puppies are never going out of style. And you, where do you source the puppies from? I don't know. It's not my problem. You know, the target works it out with their distributor. You know, they bring them over on a Fair truck enough. with like all the furniture and everything. Fair enough. I mean, that's what they pay you for. Also, you know, like, if you, you were the a idea, child, they figure out the rest. Like, kids don't care where the toys are coming from, right? So why should I? Like, I'm trying to have... Well, the truth is that kids aren't even that imaginative. So I'm being well, like you know what a I, kid you know what if I, they were more imaginative, you know? You know what I hate? When when people are like, oh, you know, don't, that toy is cheap. It's made in China. It's like, listen, every single toy I've ever designed in my entire life 
has been made in China. I don't care what it is. Guess what? Furbies, China. Barbie, China. Yeah, I'm pretty sure those puppies are getting shipped over from China. Too. Even Legos, they don't make that in, in Denmark. Those are Chinese. You know, we would design the toys, you know, back then because we knew they'd be, you know, we had to design them with children's hands in mind. And, and, and a lot of people, when I say that, they think that, I, oh, we're designing it with children playing with them. Well, we don't care how the kids play with them. It's all about the little children that were making the toys back then. And, you know, it's still today, you know, people act like it's better, you know. Uh, but it's still, you know, the kids are making those today. And so when you got, you know, yourself, I was in charge of the American Gundam. You remember the American Gundams? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Those are much better than big the hit with, uh More of a big hit with adults we, than kids. We had, to, you know, the stuff that, you know, the Japanese did, which, you know, God bless them and really respect Japanese culture. But you had to figure out what Americans wanted, right? So they wanted rustier Gundams. They wanted no lasers. They wanted machine guns and rockets. They wanted drivers who had DUIs. You know, the gas diesel powered Gundams that kind of stank and were loud. And yeah, I really like that Billy Joel Gundam. <laughs> and we, yeah, you want like a you want like a like a naked lady on the side of it. Exactly. You know, like uh, they we designed them after the B two bombers and stuff. But when those were being assembled, we had to okay. Well, we had to consider you know the children's hands making them, and you know the rust was cutting kids. It was you know speeding down production line. Eventually, you know what we did is we just we just put them in the crates wet, so they rusted naturally. Well, here's the thing, too. Those kids who are building those Gundams should be happy because the original Japanese Gundams, you have to build them yourself, right? So those kids, exactly. they were doing, they were having fun. They were basically playing for a job to put Gundams together. Like, that sounds like so much fun. Uh-huh. That's a dream job. And they, to play with toys. Know, we barely yeah. hit them. We barely hit them at all. You know, a lot of people talk, you know, people won't talk about that as a plus. But to me, you know, that's a plus to barely hit them because, you know, back nowadays, people are mad we used to hit the kids. But, you know, back then, you know, we'd be walking through the factories and they'd say, you know, you know, where's nobody's hitting these kids? Where's like the whip guy? And, uh, you know, we were progressive, you know, back then. But now, you know. If you, well, well, I if mean, you things have hit, changed. If you can't hit kids, though, who can you hit? Because what am I going to do? Hit an adult? Then it's going to be a fight, you know? Well, that's. That's gonna be a that's gonna be a assault. Well, I, I you know I'm a hitter. You know I'm a small guy, so you know no one's ever really complained about it. They don't really notice. I'm sure. I'm a smacker. I, you know I do that, but you know I can't really. You know two feet tall. You know my arms. You can see my arms here about what is he four in, You know about four inches long. You know my feet are about. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, so could probably clear you with a wiffle less ball bat. Than that. Oh yeah. And I, you know, I think honestly, if I took a, you know, a wiffle ball bat as hard as somebody could to the head, you know, yeah, I'd be dead in a second, you know. So I realize how fragile I am, but you know, I lash out constantly, you know. I mean, the experience, uh, the masters, they they're harsh for a reason because they've been through the ringer. They know what it takes. Yeah. I think I'm, you know, to be honest, you know, a lot of people defend me on that, but I just think I'm getting mean, you know, I think I'm getting meaner, you know? Well, kind of smiling when to you say mean. you gotten meaner. I kind of got a little, a little wry grin there. Yeah, you know, I get older, I get the, you know, I like I consider this as my right, you know, I can hit and I can be mean and I'm small and it doesn't hurt. And, you know, I can cuss people out and, you know, that's all okay too. You know, sometimes I just do it just to practice. I like to, you know, I got to live in nurse here and I'm constantly accusing her of stealing stuff, you know? 
And so then I get a blow up and I get a practice and it keeps me sharp when I got to design new toys. You know, not to uh, turn this conversation in a negative direction, but I feel like toys these days, there's just been a lack of creativity in the market with like these Funko Pops and everything. I was going to say the same thing. There's no points of articulation, no creativity. All of them look the same, you know? They're just making these things that look in the same that you leave in the box. And it's like, where's the fun in that? You don't even play with them. I mean, I understood it back in the day when everyone was buying out every single Spawn toy. You don't want to ruin that bad boy. You leave that in the packaging. But there's nothing unique about a Funko Pop. You can't compare a Funko Pop to Spawn. I will credit Funko Pop uh, for giving me one of my best ideas where... I was so tired of these stiff, lifeless toys with no articulation. And I was thinking of, well, who's famous for designing toys who's actually good, right? And I was thinking of Santa Claus. You know, he's a, one of the great toy designers of all time. And I, so I made a Santa Claus toy with 200 points of articulation to fight back against Funko Pop. His feet moved in 15 different spots. You could contort his face and twist it around in 20 different places. You could make Santa do downward dog. Yeah, each of his arms had 20 joints in it. You could just twist him in insane ways. He kind of looked like a character from Dark Souls. It was a very (laughs) unique design, and um, you actually won an award for that. He could walk around like a spider and then twist his head upside down if he was on the top of the ceiling. I remember that Santa Claus. Yeah. So, Doc, you have... Despite your experience and your many years working and designing, um, you know, childhoods, essentially, you've begun to branch out. And you mentioned your admiration for the Japanese. When did that start? Like, uh, oh, can you give yeah. us a little bit of insight? Well, you know, I say that, you know, when you kind of realize you've been doing the same job for a while, you know, a little bit of the magic's gone, right? And so it was fun making, you know, the fake cars, the red wagons that kids would go 100 miles an hour down the hills on and whatnot, you know. Uh, So all that stuff was fun. But, you know, I get older, you know, more of the video game stuff take over, a lot of the old-fashioned toys. So I tried to get some inspiration. And so, you know, I did that. I, I got introduced to Japanese culture you know, when I was making those American Gundams, you know, with the Billy Joel Gundam, you know, with the Bruce Springsteen Gundam. And so, you know, when I'm doing that, uh, uh, I got introduced to, you know, you know, all the Japanese subculture, you know, learning the dances of the Woda, you know, you know, Meido Suki. I got really into maid cafes. Uh, you know, you open one. I'm didn't sort you? of, you know, I consider myself an American otaku, you know, an elderly, you know, American otaku. If anybody calls me a weeb, you know, I will, I will get upset. You know, it's just. Well, I saw, I saw online a picture of you pop up, and I see is that Doc Sprocket wearing a maid outfit? You know, the the legend of all toys, you know, standing around two foot four. Wearing a made outfit. I'm like, this guy invented Devil Six. This guy dated Nev Campbell. And now he's wearing, you know, Japanese made outfit. I was like, that's kind of wild. A funny story is, you know, I met Nev Campbell when, uh, you know, me and Frank Lloyd Wright were doing Barbie houses. He found something called Crystal K and he would take it and he would try to design some fucked up Barbie houses. More of a free time thing. And, you know, walking down the street, you know, 
I'm talking to him from the milk crate. He would have put down, he would put a towel in the milk crate so I could lay down when I got tired. <laughs> and so I'm laying down in the milk crate, and you know, this, this beautiful woman walks up. She thinks it's a puppy because they can see stuff like that. And so I'm looking up at her. You know, she's looking down at me and, uh, you know, I kind of just crawled up in her arms, you know, I was really forward back then. And, uh, you know, oh. we, we dated for, for seven years, me and Nev. Did you think you were like a doll or something, I, like a toy? I didn't know what she was thinking. I was just scooting around. I was jumping on her shoulders, running down her legs, running down her side. You know, I kind of, you know, I, I, I got very familiar. I could run all around her in the dark, you know, I got very familiar with moving around her body. Just tugging on her pant leg and putting your arms up, like up, like a little you kid. Know, so I would slide up there myself. I was a little more springy back then, you know, being there. And, you know, not long after that, it was I was taking rides in her milk crate rather than Frank Lloyd's rights. We made some fucked up Barbie houses, though. We really made some psychotic things. We had put an Iron Maiden in one. They never... They never published any of those. It was more of a fun thing for me and him. I to think do. Iron Maiden's some of them very the empowering for women, right? Like, you hear a lot about Maidens... But few of them are quite so powerful as the Iron Maiden. Well, you know, if I'm being honest, I really wasn't very much interested in uh, empowering women back then. I was a sexist, as we all were. You know, it's just how it goes. I was a sexist. You know, I was I was always you know saying look at her legs or look at you know her stuff, and then, you know I wasn't. Ever- well, that's why Frank Lloyd Wright said he hated like all of his designs were so angular because he said curves reminded him of women. Well, you know, I'm so small, it took Nev Campbell about two years to figure out that I'm a misogynist. And uh, well, after really, that, she left me. But You uh, really changed your ways, though, because now you're the biggest Hatsune Miku fan I know. Oh, I love Hatsune. You know, that girl, I don't know anything about her, where she came from, what her background is. But you know what? She does some cool... I'm trying to learn the dances. You guys know the the, the, the dances of the... Oh, yeah, her very famous dances. Of the Woda, you know? I was trying to do those and stuff like that. Not as surprised I used to be. Uh, but yeah, I'm all into Japanese culture now. You know, I'm correcting people. It's not koala yummies. It's koala's march, you know? Oh, I that's right. A, that's the original right there. I op- opened a maid cafe near the Kansas City airport. I've been there actually. Well, you, you have really, you're, they serve really great milkus there. Uh huh. Yeah. And, you know, I'll show up there. I'll wear the cat ears. Everybody loves it. This is, this is a, a little bit of a source of controversy for you, though. You were on Joe Rogan and you said that the, the Yakuza should uh, come back in their prominence because there really isn't that much of them left anymore. They don't really run the country anymore like they used to. And you said that they own Japan. Mm-hmm. Is that, do you still feel that way? Yeah. I wish the Yakuza would come to America too. You know, I, I really, I, I, you know, as me, you know, I'm just, I respect rules, you know, and they have their own code, you know, they call it the Bushido code. That's what they call it in Japan. It means samurai, which is not a Japanese word. It's a, uh, it means Bushido. That's the Japanese word. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm something new every day. Uh-huh. Learn a lot from Doc today. Yes. You say you're not spry anymore, but it seems when you're talking about Japan, you're crystal clear and you're thinking. Oh, yeah. You know, they say aloha. It means both hello and goodbye, you know? Wow. That's profound. Uh-huh. You know, they got a shogun instead of a president. You know what he does? Does he govern? I don't know. <laughs> 
I was asking you if you know. I still haven't figured. You know, I've only been otaku for about two well, years. Well, you've been also so I'm still working. learning stuff. You know, I, you know, you just doc. It sounds like Japan is better than America, and they don't have any problems over there. Oh uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, their Gundams are cleaner. I actually got kind of disgusted by the American Gundam. You know, they wanted Gundams with tank treads instead of feet. You know, they wanted rockets and not wings. You know, it was a lot more mechanical kind of thing. You know. One of the, one of the uh, you know American Gundams was just uh, well, it's just mostly a can of Budweiser, you know, with arms and legs. Yeah, basically a diesel-powered Budweiser. Yeah, except you can't even drink it because that's where the guy sits is on the inside. I mean, you've also you've also had a, a few reasons to be over in uh, the Great Nippon, as they call it. Uh, you were hired by Konami to work on those pachinko machines, specifically like the Morocco one. Oh, they said they wanted yeah. an American for that one. Uh, or it wasn't an NPR one, I don't remember, but you worked on a handful of those machines. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about those, some of the themed ones? Yeah, the pachinko machines, I still, you know, I was over there. They make more money than anything else, as I understand and, You it. know, I was talking to the guy, and I, you know, I was bowing a lot because I'm an otaku, and, you know, I was like, you know, I really don't know. You know, I was telling him, you know, they're very interested in me, you know, not because of my reputation, but because, you know, I'm, I'm recently otaku. And, you know, I still got to tell them, you know, like, I don't know how Pachinko works. And, you know, they didn't have a translator because they, you know, they were, you know. And so I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm just kind of making up the machines as they go. And they're yelling at me in a different language as I try to put a knob here or some coins here. So I think I kind of understand how Pachinko works. But I designed probably 70 or 80 of those machines. You know, I did Moraka. That was probably the most popular one they had there. But I was doing side deals with a lot of niche American celebrities. You know, I was doing an Andy Kindler Pachinko. You know, I was doing a John Goslin Pachinko. I know you did an Andy Rooney one. I did an Alonzo Bowden Pachinko. That was a deep cut. Not a lot of people played that one, you know? You had that Lamar Odom one. Mm -hmm. Did a Lamar Odom one. He's smoking crack, which I thought was wild that they let that slide. Yeah, you know, I was trying to be accurate. You know, I was trying to kind of let them know what America was like. But, you know, with the Japanese, when it comes to, you know, it's kind of like, you know, how what I like about Japanese culture, right, is, you know, I like, uh, you know, the anime and I like uh, the idols and the dances and the snacks. You know, I like uh, I like the maid cafe. I like the shows, you know, with 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 the Japanese, they kind of the same way. They want blondes. They want rock and roll. They want Elvis. They want leather jackets and cowboys. So, you know, I put Moraka in a cowboy hat. I made them blonde. I kind of just gave them what they want, you know? Well, if you ever need help with any of these, I mean, Eddie and I, we'd love to We'd love to co- collaborate again. I mean, if you guys got a milk crate with a towel in it, I'll work with you. You know, I like going out there and mixing it up. You know, little. It takes me a while to kind of get from place to place if I'm not in a car. So I, I can see how you guys would be very. Well, handy. Eddie collects milk crates. He was on that special episode of American Pickers where they were going all around Texas and I think Oklahoma, and he found like some super rare ones. He found one for uh, um, Doctor Thunder, uh, which oh, I didn't even right. know existed. Yeah, a milk crate for Doctor Thunder. And how much did you sell that for? Three hundred bucks. Read them and weep. Not bad. 
Well, you know, I, I guess that, that is, I don't, I wouldn't say that's enough money to be worth bragging about, you know, 300, I think. I mean, if you find, say you find 12 of those, you know. Well, then, yeah, that would be something to brag about, but he didn't, you know, find 12 of It's those. not really about the money. It's about finding old shit to like, keep in your garage and storage places, you know. Yeah, like, uh, you know, or, or is me, you know what I got in my garage? What's that, I car? Suki, they wouldn't let me put in the... You know, they, my maid cafe, they wouldn't let me put in uh, the glass floor. Apparently, that's against regulations in the camp. Is a, a glass floor oh, like see-through like or mirrors? is it like mirrored? A mirror, yeah, a mirror. So you could, oh. you know why? You know why they do that? So you could look down and take a like a selfie. No, looking down. that's not why they do it. It's more grown-up reason. And now you have that in your garage. So what what's that doing in your garage? Well, when I walk in my garage in a towel, I can look up. Oh, you look up your own skirt. It's, well, your it's own not towel a, skirt. If I'm wearing pants, it doesn't do anything, you know. Can you how? That, I guess. I guess. It, I. I was gonna ask. Never mind. I'm not gonna ask that. Uh, well, that's uh, that's great. You you put it put it in your garage. Uh, where were what were we talking? What were we talking? About? I was dating Ned Nev Campbell. It was the '80s. Is what I think. Scream came out, and you know, we would go to these parties. And, you know, back then I was, you know, a younger guy. I must have been in was 70, something like that. And we'd go to Roman Polanski's. You're 70 in the 80s? Hot Wait, tub. How's and, that possible? And, they, you know, we would, you know, he would have the wine and, and, you know, I would have the wine. And basically, you know, in a hot tub, I can only go, if I, I'll sink right to the bottom, you know, and I'll die. So I got to have somebody. Well, you wear those goggles on your forehead all the time. So I, maybe need you them, wear you know, I need them. See. And, you know, I've been, you guys can notice this big hat I have on, too. It's a medical thing, you know. Because I was losing my balance because I was getting vertigo. I'm only it's very about two tall. feet it's very tall. tall hat. So my doctor gave me a hat as tall as me. So it's another two feet tall. It keeps me nice and even, you know. It keeps me balanced. Come to a nice point at the top of it there. Something that if you can get the Milkis or something, if I can download Genshin Impact. Marjorie! Marjorie, did you move the switch? The switch. Well, we can't be we can't be looking at the iPad right now. I'm gonna have lunch after. All right, Eddie, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? Those are captures that we could get the free skin loot. I wanted the loot box. Marjorie. Well, you know, we were talking about Funko Pops and how it's a really uninspired use of IP, but I still believe in IP as, you know, part of the core of what makes toys so fun, right? Like, who wouldn't want to play with these- Lunchboxes. Memorable action characters. Figures. Yes, like, intellectual property is what makes toys, like, really fun a lot of the time. Underwear. Exactly. And I've lately, I've been thinking, how can I, like, spice up these IPs that maybe need to be revitalized a little bit, right? In a way that's a little mm. more dynamic than something like Funko Pop. And- mm. To me, the key is usually a good accessory, right? Like, sure, we've all had right. a Jerry Seinfeld toy from the 90s. But, like, what if you could have Jerry Seinfeld and he comes with Frasier's dad's dog, right? Oh, wow. Or, like... I mean, my Jerry Seinfeld is all faded because I left him in the, the bathtub for too long and it smells like soap. So I'd need a brand new Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, and imagine the funny things he could do with Frasier's dad's dog. He would hate taking care of that thing, you know? Eddie? Yeah, oh, that's oh, right. It's your name. <laughs> Oh man. Oh, Eddie's great. What so what if you know, what if Frasier came with a grappling hook? What if oh, wow. uh Tina Fey came with a nuclear bomb? What if mm. Carrie from Sex in the City came with a picture of Dorian Gray, the portrait of Dorian Gray, you know? That'd be crazy. Oh wow, and maybe you breathe on her and she looks different. 
Sure. Or the painting looks different, maybe. I don't know how that story goes. I don't read books. But I think those are some great ideas, you know? There's a lot of nostalgia there, too. And people love... That's a key thing with selling selling shit, is nostalgia. People love remembering old shit and thinking it was better than it was. Well, I, I mean, that's huge. I'm really hoping that, you know, everybody's, like, nostalgic for 80s and 90s stuff. You know, we gotta go even further back, you know? We gotta go... 40s and 30s toys, I think, would be a golden age of toys. You know, you would have a truck and it was made out of logs, and the wheel would be made out of four logs shaped like well, a I think square. Like, all the toys back then were made of like lead and stuff, so maybe not, maybe not a great idea. And we would put, you know, they, you know, back then they'd say, well, you have a wooden toy train and put it in the factory, it's nothing but woody toward trains is going to light on fire. And that's why we covered the whole everything in asbestos, you know. Because that was safe back then, you know? You have toxic weight, get rid of it. Throw it in the river, you know? Throw it in the lake, you know? That's just you know. how things were back then, you know? Also, water well, makes you clean. That's why you take, like, a, a bath or a shower. The water's making you clean. So if you put chemicals in the water, it's going to dilute it and make it clean. I mean, why do we put chlorine in a pool? Exactly. You know? To clean the chlorine by using the water. Uh, Well... It purifies the water, so the water. No, can the water is pure. Else. That's why you can put toxic chemicals in water because water will purify it. Water is uh, life. I'm not a scientist, you know, I'm just a toy maker. But um, back to the IPs, you know, we we're talking about uh, stuff like Frasier or like a you could do like a Cheers lunchbox or something like that. But you have that very special line from. Drizzy himself collabed with you. That's right. That was that was a, a a strike of genius in the modern age, if you ask me. Yeah, it was. Um, we actually teamed up with Hooters to exclusively sell this line of Drake toys and memorabilia, and we actually made. He's he's like the owl guy, right? He's like the that's owl. right. Yeah, because the owl crosses over, but he's. We also made the specific Hooters waitresses who he mentions in his songs. We forced them to sell this merch to customers. And that's like so cool. It's like the song comes to life. When you talk when you hear Drake talking about the Hooters on Peach Tree, where he was into that girl, she actually now is selling you Drake merch, the girl from the song. Like that's so cool. Well, you sold us special shoes, the six gods, and they had it on the tips of like the top of the shoe. Um, it was kind of like a hood ornament, but they're little like action figures, like basically glued to the shoe. So there's like a little Drake. Yeah, hood ornaments for there's shoes like have look, been huge for me. There's like a little Meek Mill one set, you know, and um, they were great. People were walking around with these little hood ornament shoes on. And uh, yeah, the Six God collection was was uh, fantastic. Yeah, you know, and, my, um, my collab with Drake was so successful that people started calling me the Seven God, actually. And then Drake had to explain that it doesn't... Really? That's not really that? Congratulations. That's not really like what um, his one means. It's not like seven is better necessarily. Yeah, I was uh, I was working for Mattel in '78, right? And that's when they were still in New York City, right? And we're trying to get the Family Circus brand. You guys, you know, it, Family Circuses is it was a comic strip, which is before like web comics. It was in the newspaper. And basically, you could tell it was the comic strip page because, you know, Doonesbury would be on it and he'd be doing something sarcastic or something. You'd find up and you'd go, you go, these are the guys who were doing. So Family Circus was like, oh, what's Billy doing? You know, and it was run by this guy named Bill Kane. And we were trying to wine and dine him, you know, for the property rights. 
So uh, I came up with the idea. You give him a bottle of champagne. But before you know, you give it to him, I'll get in it, you know? And so we give him this bottle of champagne. He doesn't open it for three days. I'm breathing out of the top of that little part of the bottle. He finally pops Probably it. Probably have like a straw sticking out. <laughs> I, I didn't think it through, you know, back then. It was, it, you know, I was on something called Crystal Action. I don't think they make it anymore, but it makes you go berserk, basically. Is that like a soda? It, it was like a soda that you poured in and brown crystals would form and you drink it out of a champagne glass. It was one of those rich people drugs where they only make them briefly, like Quaaludes. Yeah. But anyway, Chris, I mean, I remember. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. He pours me into champagne glass, you know, with him and his wife. His wife starts screaming, you know, and I'm screaming. And I immediately go into my pitch, you know, I'm going to make Billy run around. He'll leave a trail just like in the comics. And then you could have him, the toys full of red dye. So it's just leaking all over the place as you're playing with it. So when your parents get home, they can see how much you've been playing with it. So they'll get their money worth on the toy. And, you know, that deal went through really quickly by 79 you know bill keen and i we were we were on a yacht about uh you know this is before ibiza was popular we're we're in greece and you know we're we're both you know these girls that they had back then they'd do anything you know they make hatsune miku look like uh another japanese woman that's less attractive so my theory is you guys remember back in the day, toys were a lot more violent. Um, and, and I know like Nerf is still around. They're still hot. Um, and I mean, we even tried, we, uh, back in, uh, 2006, we made that huge super soaker, the three of us, when we are on that contract with them and oh, the military, the that was actually a military the, contract. We the motherfucker 10,000. And we wouldn't compromise on the name. They said, well, you can't call it that. And I said, they said, you know, these are toys. You were going to be selling these to children. I said, not every toy has to be for children. And the military were the ones that even paid for it. And I think it's still sitting in Fort Knox, the uh, patent. But um, I didn't want that one getting in the hand. You know, a, a direct shot from the motherfucker, you know, that would have been the end of me. It was know? like a power washer. Like, I think it It was doing a kind of, uh, kind of, I mean, it wouldn't like, Draw blood, but it could scrape skin off. Every time I got, it would knock all my clothes off every time I got shot with it, which was funny the first time, but after seven or eight times, you know. So here's my thing we had that, we had Nerf. um, But back in like the 2000s, we had the the BattleBots show where it was like, what if there was a big sledgehammer on this little RC car? What if there was like a buzzsaw? It was like Gundam crashes into that one. And people went nuts for it. And they're making toys like based around that stuff. And the robots were big and it kind of died out. But, you know, despite stuff like Osimo retiring, I think the next wave is robots. I think robots are going to come back. They're going to be there's going to be robots that bleed that your kid can, you know, essentially take their uh, emotions out on. And I think we have to kind of embrace that. Oh, you know, I met Osimo when we were doing battle bots and I was very surprised. You know, I had never met a robot before, so I was really nervous. And, you know, Osimo was super, you know, down to earth. It was just, it was me, him, and Bill Burr. You know, and we, after, you know, it would wrap up, we'd go, uh, yeah, Osimo called it trolling for strange, which was funny because Osimo didn't have any genitalia. So Osimo would be begging me, begging me, begging me, Doc, 
You know, can you make me some genitalia? Can you do it? And I tried, you know, I really did try my damnedest, but nothing I really came up with Osimo liked, you know. He wanted a new kind of genitalia, not a penis or a vagina or anything in between, something completely new. And we tried a couple designs. We tried a mushroom that was electrified. You know, we tried a, a you know, you know, a, a kind of a bead curtain that would, you know, be really evocative in the robots pleasure centers, but nothing. You had really- that hook. The hook was the like best that chrome one. Hook, yeah. The hook was the best one because it was a utility. Because I remember too. you you emailing me a picture. You said, "What do you think of this?" I said, "What am I looking at?" You said, "Well, it's Osimo's new penis potentially." And and I said, "Well, that's th- I don't think the world is ready for that." And you know, when it comes to being a designer, sometimes you design stuff for yourself, and then you design one for the company, right? You know, you're going to make your own personal design and then you'll spit out whatever Street Starks bullshit that, you know, Mattel wants you to do. So that's the way I viewed, you know, making Osimo's penis, you know, because I wasn't even working for Honda at the time. It was a private thing. Yeah, I really consider Osimo to be one of the great geniuses of toy design. And a lot of the time when you ask people, like, who do you think is the best at coming up with ideas for toys? They'll say, oh, children. But it's like, no, children are not very imaginative. They're kind of stupid. It's actually toys who come up with the best ideas for toys because they are toys, right? So my latest thing, actually, inspired by guys like Osimo, I am turning myself into a toy piece by piece. Oh, um, wow. I've literally been getting plastic surgery and a lot of it. I mean, plas- just pure plastic is that your whole right arm there is now just yeah, made out of plastic? Yeah, the whole thing. I'm sure you've been looking at it this whole time. It's, it's so very shiny smooth. and smooth. I'm about 45% plastic right now, and I'm I'm aiming to be 100% plastic by the end of next year. And you know, I think that it's going to take my toy idea designs to, like, the next level. You know, I think, uh, you know, there was you, you know, you're going to find a problem in the guts. You know, the guts is always kind of the biggest problem of getting those replaced. But once I do, it's going to be great. Like, I'll be immortal, you know? Well, I guess All the biological be elements true, yeah. will be gone. You know, yeah, I'm wondering, uh, have you ever seen a movie called Bicentennial Man? Nope. It's one of the best movies ever and made. Basically, what you're describing is a sort of reverse Bicentennial Man. Oh, was he plastic and then he turned human? Well, he was a robot who wanted to be a guy. Well, that's fine, but I want to be a toy. Right. And that's a toy's different, a totally different, but you want to... Yeah, well, you know, it's going to be, I I, it, I guess somewhere in the middle of the movie, if I want to look up the spoilers, I guess this, you guys will kind of cross over. Hmm. Well, you know, I hope they make a toy of me someday is all I'm going to say. You know, he has sex. Oh, wow. Bicentennial, he's a robot. He has sex for the first time. It'll probably be like some moment like That's, that. And Robin Williams, he's great in it. He was a great toy actor. He uh, He's in the movie called Toys. He's in Flubber, which is Wait, a they made a movie toy. about toys? Yeah. How did I not and see also, this? I mean, have you seen Toy Story? That's probably Never my favorite heard of film. It. When I saw Toy Story, I fucking threw up. I thought I was so fucking this scared. is gonna change everything. Well, it was the whole message is they embrace being toys. You have Buzz Lightyear who's delusional that he's like a, a superhero and all this stuff. It's like, no, you're a toy. It's even better. You know, I, 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 I want, I fucking, I could not get through a fucking second of Toy Story. That shit was so disgusting. The fact that they could come around and move around made me so mad. 
you know, I got suspicious for a long while after that movie. I wanted to go through and, you know, some of my stuff. I took a real set up a camera. Close, you know? Oh yeah, I set up a camera. I set up I set up a camera. I was like, are they are they coming alive when I'm not around? I thought Is I had actually- a Furby that was alive. For like three years, I thought it was you know I was writing down the language. Ooh. I was talking to it. Were you feeding it? You thought it was you thought it was alive because it was functioning the way it was designed. I clicked its tongue and it acted like I fed it. I don't think I ever actually fed it anything other than batteries. Which I thought oh. you know the Furby the battery would be its food. That makes sense. They last longer. I think you could feed a dog batteries too, and it would be perfectly happy with that. Well, that's true. I have fed some dogs batteries. You like know, back I was saying, then, dogs are basically toys what, too. You know, think about what I said about you know children and women and uh, dogs yeah. had it even worse than they did. You know, I was terrible to dogs as a young man. I mean, even ten years ago, I was hitting them, I was whipping them. You know, yeah, but you're so small. Exactly. See, that's what I always say. Because sometimes, you know, you guys ever see it? Like, if you're by yourself and you see a dog, you get really scared. Well, you're bigger guys, so you might not. But you know, to me, if I have somebody, you know, backing me up, I'll really torment a dog because I know they can't get to me. Well, I think you should be. I mean. You don't want to abuse a toy, really. And, you know, Eddie well, came up with the idea not. of turning dogs into toys. So maybe kind of. Well, I'm sure yeah, I'm sure you've c- seen um, the classic anime dog catcher Inutaro. That really gave me a lot of sympathy for dogs. Oh, one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, that kind of, you know, that sympathy for dogs kind of, you know, didn't work that great against me because, you know, uh, you know, I was making the Ibo. I was one of the design team down there when we were working on the Ibo. And he's like a robot dog, right? And so we had so much dog blood we went through at first uh, in order to try to get the essence of the dog. It actually ended up, we decided to power it with electricity instead, which worked way better than the dog blood did. But, you know, in a solid two, three years of just, you know, okay, this doesn't work, crack open another dog. Well, we use rats for testing too, and a rat's not that different from a dog. I guess that's true. They use they use dogs, funny enough, to test mousetrap. You know the board game. I thought they would have used mice. That was what my suggestion was, but apparently, well, they said it would have been cruel. Well, they said they also bought a lot of dogs for the uh, Ibo thing and had a bunch left over. So I think they just wanted to wear those out. Can't really give them back to anybody after that. You know, they're going to ask too many questions. Hmm. You know, we we've kind of hinted at it in this podcast that there's plenty of toys that are for adults. And not just for children, but I kind of want to give an example of that and dig a little deeper into that. Because one of the things that I'm most proud of in my career, I worked with Seth MacFarlane, very funny guy. Um, but we wanted he wanted to do something that he considered to be pretty serious. He wanted me to help him make a realistic Peter Griffin dildo that was a hundred percent realistic. Uh, so like, w- not 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 my. Uh- not my field. I mean, but this thing, I, this, I'm so proud of how it turned out because we spent days and days and days in that conference room. He described to me in immense detail everything he imagines, like every topographical detail of Peter Griffin's penis, the way he's been imagining it for years. And we came up with something that's pretty darn close to the real thing, I think. Well, it's kind of kind of crazy how you guys have spent so hard designing new penises. 
I um, I your, only your toy makers. I never did that other than you know in my personal time. You know when we were yeah it was mm. actually you know this was just a big thing at the sixties. I think it was in sixty six at the pink. Oh, okay. Oh, that makes we're sense. The- Whereas like Eddie's his stuff is like stuff you'd find in like Spencer's gifts. You know nothing against Spencer's. You know they have a lot of stuff I've uh yes I've Spencer's there, a good you know. friend of mine actually. I did an art art um, exhibit where I, you know I, you know this is you know I, I was I had a black bag over my head. And, you know, a naked woman would be on all fours in front of me. And since I'm a small guy, you know, this was a big girl. You know, I don't know if they had the WNBA back then, but, you know, this girl is, is around 6'6". Six, six. And so what happened, you know, I did the art exhibit where I'd get under her like I was a mechanic on a thing and I'd pretend to work on her and, like, have a screw and do stuff. Not like an actual, you oh, know, Like Bicentennial tools. Man. Yeah. I don't understand uh, what that is, but I'm just trying to make a reference that you And made. I'd be rolling all around, around under the woman and whatnot. And, you know, some of that was doing, you know, uh, making, you know, some of uh, uh, Magnus Pinkies. He was sort of a hypersexual sociopath. A lot of designers back then, you know, were very hypersexual, angry, violent, sociopathic men. Well, all of those with, things are okay in Europe, though. It's just eccentric. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I, I did, I did room a room, <laughs> excuse me, with uh, uh, Dino Crisoli, you know, the famous Italian designer. And he actually, speaking of Spencer's, he's the one that designed the the fake ass. Oh, the wow. famous fake ass. You know, the one that like Eminem wore. Oh, yeah. That was oh, a very yeah, that's a toy fi- for bad kids right there. Uh, you know, I don't like those bad kid toys. Spencer Gifts, you know, I go buy that in the mall. I want to burn that. You know, pardon me for cussing. I want to burn that fucker down. You know, I don't like how they, you know, portray, you know, that Cartman fella. I don't like his whole shtees. You know, I don't like his negative attitude. You know, you get all these bad kids. They get all their AK-47 toys and their pop guns throwing them at your feet. You know, they got these knives that you push in, and it's like a fake knife that makes it look like you're stabbing people. You know, we shouldn't be making toys for kids like that. Those kids should be, you know, put in a well. They should be put underground until they (laughs) learn to behave more better. Right. But I think that, um, you know, kids have different ways of expressing themselves. Marjorie, these are my dog ears. I need the cat ears, Marjorie. Um, they're in uh, the garage. Eddie, you, I know you're not you wearing a that, skirt today, so go out and get it. You collaborated with uh, with Bob Weir on that that series for the the quarter machines. Oh yeah, the Deadheads. Uh, it was kind of like homies, but with various classic, members classic. of the Grateful Dead. Uh, and kids love those things. They'd be begging their mom for a quarter. How many members were in the Grateful Dead? Like 40, 47? Yeah, 40 or 50 of them. I can't remember them. All. It's like Pokemon. You know, I can't remember them all. I know them if I see them, but I couldn't like name them all for you. Right. But yeah. And I mean, people went nuts for those. Oh, yeah. Like little kids loved them. There's nothing that brought me more joy than being at the grocery store and seeing a seven-year-old kid, you know, getting that quarter from his mom. And he's like, I got Phil Lesh. And his brother's like, oh, that's the one I need to finish my collection, you know? And I mean, everyone wanted Jerry, though. Oh, of course. I mean, I mean who come wouldn't? on. Jerry Seinfeld, the famous frontman of the Grateful Dead. Marjorie, did you mess with my Chogo, Ken? The die-cast bikini fell off. And I don't know how to glue it back on. We don't have any of that. I'll have to bring it into the shop. Well, I, 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 we could help you out with that. Marjorie, Doc. did you steal it? Doc. Uh, apparently, Marjorie died. She's new. I had no idea. I put my foot in my mouth.
I don't think she's dead. I think she might just be letting you do the show. Um, is there anything else you'd like to talk about today? You know, these bikinis that they put on these things are super expensive. They cost as much as the action figure itself. You know, especially the Figma or Nendoroids. This shit's so... You know, we, we've then, talked you about know. a lot of different kind of toys, but I guess, I mean, maybe I shouldn't even admit this because it's kind of ironic, but it's like, you know, I spent all day working with toys, designing the best new ideas. And then I come home. I don't even want to fuck with anything except blocks and trucks, honestly. Like that's pretty much uh, all I play with myself same. anymore. Same. Exactly. Same. It comes like full circle. Like you do this for so long and you just come back to the classics. Yeah. It's like you people know. who are chefs, like chefs, they're cooking all day. They come home. They just want to warm up a microwave pizza, right? And it's like, for me, blocks and trucks, man, I'm fucking with that stuff like since day one and I'm still every single day playing with them. Let me tell you what the highlight of my day is, right? Marjorie makes me lunch. I eat a light lunch. I go to my rumpus room, right? A lot of people don't have rumpus rooms anymore. I like having a rumpus room. It's where I keep all my toys. I like taking my blocks that have letters on them. I'll do an S at top, T, an A, and then an R. And then I smile real big because I smell star. And then you know what I do? I knock it over. And you know what it says? It says rats. Oh. That's a highlight, that's a highlight of my day right there. You're still There's the no, best. You can have your GameCube. You can have your PlayStation. You can have your Hatsune Mikos. You can have your die-cast 400-pound uh, metal sex doll. For me, I'm sticking with the blocks. I'll even bring them with me to the bar. You know, I'll tell the bartender pour me up a Kolsch, and I'm just gonna knock over. You mind if I block knock these blocks over on the bar? Well, you know what? You know what? I still, you know what? I still, I still really just fuck with balls. Oh, like a classic yeah. ball. I like a big plastic Tupperware container full of guys. Oh, just uh, nondescript uh, army guys, like not like, like even any IP. I mean, I keep a bunch in the basket next to my bathtub because that's like probably the highlight of my day is taking a bubble bath at the end of the night. And just playing guys, uh, maybe have a few Hot Wheels and drive along the edge of the tub um, and crash into the water. Um, Too dangerous I, for I, me to play in the bathtub. I uh, yeah, I do my baths in the sink. I'm a sink bath guy. Oh, yeah, okay. They get me in yeah, there. They spray me. You with still got it. like a rubber duck? Oh, big time! I got my rubber. It keeps me calm while I'm getting the sink bath. You know, because it gets a little hot in there in the sink. Doc, how old are you exactly? Yeah, you know, let's see. All right, so first memory, going all the way back, probably. All right, well, I was born in black and white times because I'm seeing everything in black and white. Uh, it must have been cold. I remember seeing snow. I remember seeing a cabin that was, uh, you know, a triangle style roof uh, reindeer everywhere like an a-frame yeah like okay. red and green lights on top of it so i guess i was born in the you know in the in like canada or something like that i guess okay i can't really remember i kind of you know now that i think about it i've kind of always been an adult you know maybe you uh, always looked like this what are, what are, who are some old guys? You know, I you know Frank Sinatra. I met Frank Sinatra. When did he die? Ah, uh, quite a long time ago. Okay. Well, what about Andrew Jackson? I met President Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson. Yeah, I remember you meeting. Have to be a, you didn't meet Andrew you have Jackson. To be a couple hundred been, years old. It might be a couple. It might probably another guy then. I don't know. I was in the milk crate. When did they make those? Because I remember I was in a milk crate then. 
I mean, I'd have to look all this up, but <laughs> I, I, I mean, I kind you recall everything. I kind of just so well always that, have you know for as long as I can remember, I've always been you know. So it's kind of a weird question, saying, you know, what happened. You know, I'm before, trying huh? to turn myself plastic into a toy but it seems like you might not be human either if you've been alive that long i think i'm i have like a normal human shape to me i'm just like a little bit smaller you know it's just fit in the sink fit in the toilet well, there's all kinds like, of humanoid to... creatures like gremlins or gnomes or what have you that are yeah, i guess humanoid, i could be a gremlin but... yeah i could yeah, i guess i'd be a gremlin then i guess I, I mean, we don't have to jump to that conclusion, but uh, let me... Yeah, the crystal action did a number on me. I want to end on something positive here and about creativity. So I've been discussing something. I've been in correspondence with the Impossible Jokers, okay? Oh, my God. They want the three of us to help them wo- work on a new whoopee cushion. So I was going to pick your brains really quick. I, mean, I um, think- and We're going to obviously... Dive deep on this, but I think I have just the idea for them. I've been thinking about whoopee cushions a lot lately and how the fart is kind of played out, and I think it's kind of predictable. I mean, it is a bad kid toy, so I didn't want to like push it on Doc too hard. Yeah, see, I'm I'm pro bad kid. I'm trying to think what would Bart Simpson play with, and I'm thinking, what about a whoopee cushion that makes a pissing noise when you sit on it? Oh, we could have poison. See, that's we could poison the whoopee cushion. So whenever a bad kid sits on it, he gets what he does. Well, no, the we bad kid do, is using it on innocent victims. It would actually poison the victim. That's terrible. Oh, that's true. Right, but so I think I guess what we got to poison the kid when he's peeing in it. No, he doesn't pee in it. No, what about this? Pee. I think it should be a water balloon filled with water, so that when it makes the pissing noise, it also wets your lap. Oh, so it's just a water balloon. Yeah, it's just a water balloon that makes a pissing noise. Well, a pissing so we gotta, we, wouldn't it just we gotta, shoot out we gotta, all the water at once if you sat on it? Right. Really so there has a, to be a certain a special design. We got to workshop this. Like a so nozzle. Why don't we wrap it up? We'll head into the workshop and we'll uh, we'll burn the midnight oil on this one. All right. All well, right. thanks for having us, Dish. Eddie Seawave, Doc Sprocket. Thank you both for coming on. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Go to, if you're at the Kansas City airport and you can have a little bit of imagination and imagine that the floor is a mirror, even though it's just wood, go to Mado Suki. It's my maid cafe. You know, the girls there, they're wearing cat ears. They're wearing dog ears. You know, they're doing the dances from Hatsune Miko. You know, we got graphics up there. We serve Pocky. Go, you know, check it out. 